Well, Merry Christmas, everyone, and thanks for joining us online for our Crossroads Christmas Eve 2023. What happened to the wondered? I mean, look at the eyes of my son Taylor as he sits on Santa's lap. Uh, that, that's a cross between sheer terror and complete amazement. What happened to our wonder? Well, uh, Taylor grew up. Here's a picture of him uh, as a now 30-year-old. And a lot of things have changed. Uh, but one of the things that doesn't get talked about, maybe nearly as much as others, is that as we grow up, don't we often lose our wonder? Uh, maybe that's a, a word that we don't use all the time anymore. Let's define it together. Um, wonder is, according to the dictionary, the feeling produced by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. You put two of those together or three or more, and you find yourself in a place of wonder. And uh, when was the last time you felt like that? When I, the first thing that popped in my head when I asked that question was, uh, I was out in Arizona um, several years ago, and I got to go to the Grand Canyon. And at the Grand Canyon, you um, become very, very small in your own eyes as you stand at the precipice uh, of this enormous uh, geological, is that the right word, um, event, uh, place. And, and you just feel really small. And I felt a sense of wonder. But that was years ago. So why is wonder so um, few and far between in terms of our experiences of it as, as adults? Maybe it was more when we were kids. Well, here's one theory. We've explained too many things. We've explained away so much wonder. We've taken things that were inexplicable and we explained them. And that removes, in one sense, the wonder from it. And so the question for us is, if, if Christmas is, uh, is a wonderful experience and, and we've made it maybe wonder less, how can we restore the wonder of Christmas? Well, that's our goal for today, is to restore the wonder to our lives, to our experience uh, of this season. And Christmas, the story of Christmas, the account of the Christmas story, can actually do that. Listen to these words from Luke chapter 2. This is Luke 2, 18. When they had seen him, this would be the shepherds, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, the child Jesus. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So the shepherds, they take their experience and just the retelling of the story of what they experienced when they saw the birth of Jesus caused, as the scripture says, people to be amazed. That word is the word wonder. It's the word for to be in awe of. So if we hear it correctly, simply the retelling of the accounts of the birth of Jesus should create wonder in us. So we're going to read the, the Christmas story again. And 
all of the things that produce wonder are found in it. If you pay attention as we read, there is unexpected, unfamiliar, inexplicable, and beautiful all the way through this story. And at the same time, there are lots of things that are very explainable, that are very familiar, that are all, all way commonplace. And it's when these two worlds collide that wonder is born. So let me read to you the familiar words uh, and ask for maybe us to have an unfamiliar response and for wonder to be born this Christmas. This is from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Very familiar stuff. People in government um, trying to get information. They call for a census. And all of that's very familiar. Happens all the time. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child, a young couple, a young couple expecting their first child, a young couple traveling um, over the holiday season, all very normal stuff. And then it says, while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be, to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, th this is normal stuff, familiar stuff, um, having a child, but then there's a child that's laid in a manger because there was no room in the house. There was no room in the inn for them. And the story starts to become a little more inexplicable, a little more unfamiliar. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. This is unfamiliar territory. This is unexpected territory. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is inexplicable. The, the, the telling of the coming of the Messiah had been told for years and years and years. And now the announcement is, He's here. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to, on those to whom his favor rests. This is completely unexpected, inexplicable, beautiful. A, a, a whole host of angels announcing the birth of the Messiah. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem 
and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it, here's our word, were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. This is a story of Christmas. And it's the turning point in the story of God that follows one theme, really, from the beginning of the Bible up until this point. And it is the story of God being with his people. Um, this is the name that Mary was given to give Jesus. You will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All three of those components are so significant. It's God who is with us. And God is with us. But just for tonight, I want you to focus on this middle word that seems like not all that important, with. Because there is a theme of God placing importance on being with us that runs throughout the Scriptures. From the very beginning... In the Garden of Eden, God says, walks with Adam in the cool of the day. He just wants to be with him, have a conversation. The prophets prophesied that God will continue to pursue you. Uh, I'll be your God. You'll be my people. We'll be with one another. Psalm 23 says it this way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And here's why. Because you, God, are with me. And then, as I said, the prophet said, when the Messiah comes, you will give him the name Emmanuel because it will be God with us. Now, what the shepherds just saw takes with to a whole new level. <laughs> no one expected that God would make an appearance as a baby to a unmarried Jewish teenage girl on the outskirts of nowhere. And wonder just oozes out of every one of these details of the Christmas story. Christmas is completely unexpected, unfamiliar, inexplicable, and ultimately so beautiful. Just like these socks. Well, I don't know if you think that they are beautiful, but it's probably unexpected that the, the prop that I chose for this talk is this pair of Christmas socks. Um, used to be, if you got socks for Christmas, that was a bummer. Um, it was like the people couldn't think of anything better to buy you, so you unwrapped it, and there's some socks, and you had to say thank you, but it was socks. But you know what's happened over the last, oh, I don't know, five to 10 years, socks are making a comeback. Socks have become a big deal. I don't know if these were expensive or not. They were given to me as a gift. But I have a buddy and he swears by possum socks, which at first I thought that must be socks with a picture of a possum on them. And, and I thought of, you know, that's weird. And he said, no, they're made out of possum to which I thought, one of these guys. And he said, no, that's an opossum. And I learned that there's actually a difference between an opossum and a possum. Did you know that? 
And apparently the possum, which is much more rare, um, is great for making socks out of. Why am I telling you all this? Um, because Christmas should knock your socks off. We don't use that term very much anymore. You know where it comes from? It comes from the 1800s where in a boxing match, um, if you got knocked out, they would say, that guy hit you so hard, he not only knocked you out of your shoes, he knocked your socks off. Well, Christmas, the, the wonder, the um, inexplicable, the unfamiliar, uh, the beauty of Christmas should knock your socks off. But it doesn't, does it? Why not? What, what, where did the wonder go in Christmas? Well, I think it went to these two places. That we have let something that's completely unexpected, unfamiliar, inexplicable, and beautiful become none of those things. Let me show you where to find the wonder again. It's two places. First, there's majesty in the manger. Did you see it? There, there is this completely unexpected and unfamiliar place that the Messiah shows up. And um, the all-powerful creator of the universe, um, if he was going to make an appearance, probably the picture that people expected was one of pomp and circumstance, of great revelry and, uh, and crowds and, uh, and cheering. A big deal. And instead, it happened quietly in this little town, outskirts of nowhere. Wasn't even enough room for them to stay with the family. They had to stay with the animals. And it just floated by without hardly a ripple of anybody noticing, except for the shepherds out in the fields. And they noticed because there were angels that showed up. But the setting might be the least expected in, in all of um, your imagination about if God was going to show up, how he would do it. But it's not because you've heard the story before. But have you ever been somewhere where you met someone or, or someone showed up that was completely out of place, that you, you didn't expect to see that person in that place? I remember uh, when I was in college, um, I wasn't in a fraternity, but um, I had some friends who were. I was at a, at a fraternity party, and someone's grandma was there. That, that's odd. That, that took everybody off guard. I'm not sure I ever really figured out why she was, was there, but, but the, she showed up in a place that no one expected her to show up. And we were in wonder of what she was doing there. It, to the nth degree, this is God showing up in a way and in a place that no one expects. No one w would have guessed. And if there's a person of great renown, their arrival is a big deal. And yet, God, the almighty creator, shows up in a barn. Socks off moment. <laughs> that should knock your socks off. But it doesn't most of the time. But it can. The shepherds were out in the field and they wouldn't have figured out that it was the Messiah who was there. 
But the angels showed up and it says they were terrified. Uh, in the Linus version, it says they were sore afraid. I like that version. And, and what were they afraid of? Um, the unexpected and the unfamiliar. I don't know the last time that uh, a whole host of angels showed up in your world, but in my world, it would freak me out a little bit. And it did them. Normal night, out there watching the sheep, everything's fine. And then something completely unexpected happens, and they are terrified. Uh, you remember when your kids were scared of the dark? I remember my kids when they were uh, growing up being um, one more than the other, scared of, of the dark. And at first I thought, they're scared because they are alone in the dark. And you know what? That wasn't it at all. Uh, upon further contemplation, <laughs> what they were scared of was that maybe they weren't alone <laughs> in the dark. And so if I would join them, then everything would be okay. You know, the, the reason that the shepherds are, are so afraid is not because they're alone. It's because they're not alone. Because God and his majesty shows up in a place they least expected it to people who were the least expected crowd. And so this is what this means. If God will show up there, he could show up anywhere. There's no place that God will not show up. In the Psalms, it says, where can I go from your presence? And the answer is nowhere. Because if God will show up there, God can show up just about anywhere. That should knock your socks off. Second place that we should find wonder at Christmas. It's in the glory of God. The glory of God is inexplicable and beautiful. See in verse 9, it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. In verse 14, the angels say to one another, glory to God in the highest. Glory. Glory is the magnificence, the beauty of God. Glory is the weight and the substance of God. And the glory of God, His majesty, His, His splendor, has been off limits for a long time. In the Old Testament, People like Moses ask God, show me your glory. And the answer was always the same. I'd love to, but it will kill you. And so God's glory has been off limits for a long time, really because of his love for us. It wasn't some arbitrary rule. It was him saying, I know that you want it, but if you get it, it will kill you. So I'm going to withhold that from you. And that's the religion religious formula of almost every culture, isn't it? Every culture recognizes some chasm between humanity and God. You can't see my glory and live. And then every religion develops some sort of system of how to bridge the, the chasm. Um, do these sorts of prayers. Uh, abstain from this sort of activity. Temples, tabernacles, priests, and rituals. The writer of Hebrews says, though, that Jesus Christ, the Son, is the radiance of God's glory. And on this night, to these shepherds, God's glory shows up and they get invited to come right up close. And nobody dies. 
socks off moment. <laughs> what? The people, the shepherds get to come right in to the glory of God. The thing that people had asked for and couldn't have is now wide open to even the least likely crowd, these shepherds. So here's what that means, I think, for you and me. It means that our desire for intimacy with the infinite is possible. And we do desire both, both um, intimacy and with the infinite. In other words, we desire a powerful and a personal God. And the good news of Christmas is we get both. We, we don't just get a powerful God who's not personal, like the force that's out there somewhere. But we don't also get just a personal God who's a buddy, who's um, not very powerful. We get both a powerful and personal God that shows up on our side of e the eternal so that we could live the life that he created for us to live. Socks off moment. Well, I don't know where you are with the Jesus that invites us into uh, this wonder that starts at Christmas, that finds its culmination at, at Easter. But I'm going to pray that the Christmas story, the, the coming of Jesus, the majesty in the manger, the glory up close, would knock your socks off this Christmas, that, that it would restore wonder in your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are uh, grateful uh, for the birth of your son, for what it means, what it means uh, for the world, but more than that, what it means for us personally. And, and I pray, God, that as we restore the wonder of Christmas, that it will be centered around the glory and the majesty of your son. We pray it in his name. Amen.